Welcome back to season three of the Sex Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen DeWitt, and this season, we're going to be doing a deep dive on what it takes to remove the taboo that's been there for too long. We're going to strive to normalize these conversations and seek out those places where these conversations can be so helpful and transformative. We're going to rethink kink and everything that comes along with it. Let's go. Thank you, everybody, for joining my weekly peeps that are here. My new peeps that are here, everybody that is here, welcome. I'm just pulling up my questions right now. For those of you who don't know, my name is Dr. Stephen DeWitt. I'm a sexologist. Welcome into my home. Welcome into my office. And welcome into my world where people reach out and share their questions that are on their mind about sex and relationships and all that good stuff. It was a balmy 24 degrees here. I actually got some sun it was beautiful. Went on a patio today, hung out with some other sex educator colleagues. And so that was really fun too. So I hope you enjoy the weather wherever you are in the world. All right, here we go. First question is, I'm a female in my early 20s and I'm horny all the time. I feel like a teen boy because I think about sex very often. It doesn't get in the way of my work or relationships, but I can't help but feel embarrassed by it. Am I normal? Yes, you are. Yes, you is. And yes, you will always be normal because you're your own version of yourself. There's nobody like you. There's just you. So there's a few things that when I saw this, I was, okay, cool. You're horny all the time. It's not interfering with your relationships or work. Great. Enjoy that. There is a world where, and you pointed to it, where teen, it's okay for teen boys to think about sex all the time, but a female in your early 20s, that shouldn't be the case. Why? Who says that? Where's the rule for that? You're allowed to be that. Men have been given permission to be sexual, to think about sex, like men think about sex 250 times a day and women think about it 50 times a day or some sort of BS around that. No, you're unique, you're independent and you're wonderful. Enjoy that, embrace that. That's who you are right now. And guess what? That may not be who you are next year or in five years or 10 years or 20 years. So don't make yourself wrong. Don't feel embarrassed about it. That's where you're at right now in your sexual journey and enjoy that. You don't have to feel embarrassed, shame, guilty around that. There is no normal. There is no right way to think about sex or the amount of sex that you want or anything along those lines. It's just you being you. So I invite you to own that, step into that, lean into that and love and accept yourself for who you are right now because you're the most important person in your life right now. Question number two. This is a longer question. In need of advice, I have been with my partner for three years and over the past few months when we have sex, he has to finish off himself. I have also found a fake pussy, which he has used. I am constantly saying we need to have more sex as we only have it on Saturday night when he's drunk. Obviously, this doesn't make me feel very good. Don't get me wrong. If he was having sex with me more, I would not have a problem with him using sex toys on himself. But because he's turning me down and using this, it makes me feel horrible. Is this me making a big thing of it or would others feel like this? Well, You'll probably hear me say this again. It doesn't matter what other people think or what other people feel in this situation. Maybe that would turn other people on. Maybe that would be really hot. Maybe that'd be like, ooh, that's really cool. Can I watch? I don't know. But we're talking about you. So who cares about what other people think or what other people feel? This is about you. And obviously, that doesn't feel good for you. You've shared. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel 
Like I could hear the not wanted, not desired. He's having sex with a fake pussy or a fleshlight or whatever it is and not you. So what's going on there? What's happening? I invite you to ask a few questions, right? You've heard me say this before. The most important sexual relationship is the one that you have with yourself. So the fact that your partner is enjoying sex by himself in and of itself is not a bad thing. I think that's a healthy thing. That's an important thing for anybody in a relationship to still be able to do that and connect with themselves that way. But in the absence of him connecting with you sexually, yeah, it brings up some questions. Now, I would offer that it has less to do with you as his desire for you or interest in you as his partner or the physical body that you have, but more about what's going on for him. And it's easier, it's simpler, it's faster, it's quicker, and oftentimes can be more effective to have sex by ourselves than engaging with our partner. But there's probably something there in the way that's preventing him from feeling powerful, feeling sexy or sexual, and feeling good about connecting with you sexually. So this does take some emotional lifting to be able to say, okay, I could get upset at this. I could make him wrong. I could shame him. I could guilt him. I could be like, hey, you should be having sex with me more. But guess what? Shaming someone, guilting someone, making someone wrong, it's not a turn on. It's not like, ooh, now I really want to have sex with you. So I think there's a place where you can have a conversation with your partner to, to get curious about what's going on for him. And a place to start is think back when this started shifting. You said you've been together for three years and a few months ago, things stopped, right? He needs to finish himself off when you're having sex. And there's just some things that have shifted. So what happened a couple months ago? Was there something that happened in his life that was traumatic or upsetting or a challenge? Or was there something between the two of you that showed up in your life? Because that's often we can go back and figure out what the source of that is or where that break in sexual connection happened and go from that place. Often men get caught up in their own fears, their own insecurities, when it comes to sex, are very, very scared to share that with a partner. Because so much of our identity, so much of our power, so much of our masculinity is tied up with what's going on between our legs, that we would rather avoid it than actually step into that and have that conversation. So I would really start with a place of curiosity and compassion in finding out what's really going on for your partner and then be able to figure out a plan moving forward. Or, you know, if this isn't going to be someone who's sexually compatible, there's going to be some hard choices for you to make inside of that. All right, next question. An interesting one. Can it be considered oral if the boobs were involved? All activities with hands and mouth, or is it oral only if the male female genitalia is involved? So I think what you're asking is like, what is considered like oral sex? So if it's your mouth on a breast, is that oral sex? Generally speaking, I would say no. It can be a sexual thing. It could be an arousing thing, an awesome thing, a high five thing. But when we look at what is oral sex, it's mouth on genitalia. Simple, easy. Hope that makes sense. Okay. And another question here. I came from a sexless marriage, didn't have sex for 15 years. Now divorced. I'm a male 49. My female partner is 52. I had to do a lot of work to get over emotional barriers, traumas of my marriage and Catholic upbringing about sex. High five. Way to go. Good for you. I know that's hard work. Still working on that, but made a lot of progress. We have been together for a year and feel safe emotionally with each other, but we don't physically fit well for penetrative sex. Both of us are overweight and not as flexible as we would like to be. 
I think you're speaking about a lot of people. I've gained a few pounds, less flexible since my younger days as well. Uh, she gets wet and wide very easily. She has had two kids. Okay. I'm not sure why that's a, a factor, but I need a lot of friction to evacuate, ejaculate, unable to ejac ejaculate through penetration. I don't feel much when penetrating. We have adapted things. So I finish outside, but it makes her feel bad as well as me. She has an allergy to latex condoms. So there are fewer options with the latex free condoms. Looking for advice on how to increase friction so I can finish with penetration. Okay. There's some layers that let's pull this apart. She gets wet and wide very easily. She has had two kids. So having two kids does not necessarily mean the vaginal canal is wide or loose or any of that kind of stuff. That is all BS. You probably heard me talk about it before. I'm going to talk about it again. The vaginal canal, when aroused, lubricates and expands. So it's supposed to get loose. If it's not loose and there's lots of friction, your partner is not turned on and is not lubricating and it doesn't feel good. Okay. So her getting wide, I, first of all, I wouldn't use that term, but your partner's feeling aroused. That's awesome. That's what we want to have happen. Yay. That's cool. You need a lot of friction to ejaculate. So let's think about that. Most penis owners, when they have sex with themselves and are exploring, grab tightly the death grip right? It's so, so tight. And we're stroking. Why? We've got to get this done quickly and fast because we don't want someone to open the door and we get caught. And then, oh my goodness, it's end of days. We don't want this. We try and avoid that at all times and at all costs, because if we get caught and there's the sexual shame that goes with it, we get in trouble and it's awkward and weird. I think there's lots of people could be like, yeah, you know, my mom or my dad walked in or my aunt or my brother and sister and was like mortified and I was shamed or guilted or made fun of, or maybe they were cool with it and just be like, hey, make sure you lock the door or do that in private or do it in the bathroom, right? There could be both sides of that coin. But for a lot of penis owners, it's that death grip. It's like really, really fierce holding on, trying to ejaculate. So a place to start with yourself is when you're having sex with yourself is relaxing that death grip, using less pressure for yourself. Just explore with different things. So you can start retraining your brain and your body to respond to softer stimulation that isn't the death grip. The other thing, she feels bad afterwards and you feel bad afterwards. This whole world of finishing inside or penetrative sex is the thing to do, or even orgasms is the thing to do, is garbage. It's a narrative that it continues to be perpetuated by media, by everything out there. It's like, oh, this is the goal and this is the right way to have sex and you should orgasm this way and ideally both orgasm. Now, depending on the study, 70% of vulva and vagina owners do not orgasm through penetrative sex alone. So you finishing being the ideal focus kind of eliminates 70% chance it eliminates your partner from orgasming at the same time. So it's just this weird kind of thing that gets put on people and pressure that sex has to look a particular way. So I would also invite you to look at, hey, how do I expand what sex looks like? How do I explore with different types of stimulation for myself that can bring myself to orgasm? If that's introducing different types of toys. I was going to say tools. I mean, we can get into power tools. That's probably a whole other episode. You can have sex sleeves. You could do lots of different fun things to recalibrate the friction that you need to ejaculate and have more fun with that. And don't feel guilty. Take on the sex menu that I have available. Take on thinking about sex differently. And I can also hear there may be like performance anxiety that's there for you of, oh my goodness, I hope I can come inside her and you're up in your head and you're worried about that and you're thinking about that and then it doesn't happen and then you get worried about it and then and she feels bad about it and it's just this weird thing. So another thing to take on is what if you just remove orgasm from the whole equation? Be like, hey, this isn't about orgasm. It's about pleasure. 
pleasure trumps orgasms all the time. That would be the thing to, I would encourage you to enjoy and have fun with and play with. So I hope that's, that's helpful. and answers some of your questions. Okay. Oh, all right. My partner bought a leather riding crop. We haven't used it yet. I quite fancy a school style cane too. A school style cane too. I've Googled, but not sure whether to get a rattan or bamboo. Do you have any experience? How do each of these feel and or mark the skin? Do you remember these rulers? Like in elementary school, these long, long rulers that the teachers would like put on the chalkboard and like measure things. Um, but this is quite a lovely tool for impact play. Now let's talk about caning. Caning is something that can cause a lot of intense sensation. Right, because if you look at something like this, right, it has like a flat, I guess that's like an inch, right, between the two parts, right? And there's flexibility inside of this. So like when it hits, it's not it's not too bad. Now, when you have a cane, which is far thinner, right? Like maybe like the thin the 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 width of this pen, it's concentrating a lot of the force in a very small surface area. So when that hits, and when you have a cane, that can be really, really intense. And your question about marking the skin, that's going to be different and unique for each person. It's not going to be the same. It can't be like, oh, well, this person's skin or this person reacts this way. It's going to be unique and different. I share this with you because I want you to approach this with a degree of caution. There's lots of other impact play tools that you can purchase. And you can also put on your kinky hat and go to your hardware store or your dollar store and pick up some really interesting things there as well to play with that aren't as intense as that cane because caning can be really intense. Now, if you are like, no, Stephen, I want that cane. That's really awesome. A couple of things that I would offer you when you're exploring impact play. First of all, if you're the person using it on your partner, use it on yourself first. Use it on your hand, use it on your thigh, use it on your butt, just so you get a sensation of what you're going to be imparting on your partner. So you have some sort of gauge of like, oh, this is how it feels. It's different than a paddle. It's different than a flogger. It's different than whatever else, a wooden spoon that you got at the dollar store. It's different. So you get centered into that sensation of what it's like to you for using that cane. Then... If you're using it with a partner, you can start off slowly and lightly. Don't like wind up and go for it. That is going to end poorly. I promise you that. But find out from your partner. Again, there's going to be consent. There's going to be communication. Find out what part of the body. So let's be like their butt, right? That's an easy, obvious place to start because there's lots of flesh, right? When we're playing with impact play and impact tools, it's always the fleshy parts, not like bony parts, joints necks, heads, things like that. We want to stay away from that. But you want to start off slowly and lightly. And then you can get a gauge of like where they're at. So you can like hit them and be like, on a scale of one to 10, what was that? 10 being extreme, one being nothing. And they'll be like a three. Be like, what would you like to experience next? Like what level? And they're like a two, or maybe they're like a five. Great. So then you can increase the intensity that you bring to your partner. So there's always that open line of communication. Also, one of the things that's really helpful is if you're playing with a particular part of the body, after you use the tool, you can put your hand on top of that and it just takes away the sting and you can like massage it a little bit and it just feels really, really nice. I'd also encourage you to alternate between using whatever your impact play tool is 
as well as giving some caresses and putting your hand on that area of the body as well. Always be in communication, always start off slowly. And again, I would start off with some other things than a cane because that can be really an intense experience. All right, so let's jump in to our question. Ooh, this is a kink question too. Okay, I have been slowly considering a DS dynamic. So that's dominant submissive dynamic, me being the submissive part. However, in my head, it's the softest stuff. When I am with a man who knows how to lead slash take charge and makes me feel safe, admired and desired, it's a huge turn on. Yes, high five, rock on. I have just met a new man and we were very open and honest about sex experiences, what we like and what we would like to try. He knows that in the BDSM realm, I am a virgin. He has experience. Ideally, he is looking for a DS dynamic, but said he can also be happy with vanilla. But I guess when we start sleeping together, vanilla, he will try to open me up to explore more. I'm not completely adverse to exploring per se, but I want to take it slow and be 100% comfortable. Yes, always take it slow, always 100% comfortable. I already told him because of his DS desire, chances are I will probably take even longer than I normally do to have sex with him. To which he said something along the lines as, it is a common misconception and the dynamic would never happen early in the relationship anyway, especially if one is inexperienced. So what are the red flags I should look for while discussing it? What questions should I be asking and anything else? Okay, this is a great juicy question. There's a part of you that's, hey, DS play is hot and I want to explore it, but it's more of the softer side of things. There's someone who's more experienced that you're talking to or dating. You haven't had sex yet and their experience in the in the BDSM world and you're trying to figure out how to integrate that and what questions to ask to make sure that person's a good match for you and look out for any red flags. I think that's really smart and a great approach to talking with any partner, whether it's kinky or not. So what are red flags that you should look for with a dom? One is if the dom uses any kind of pressure or fear or intimidation to gain your submission, right? Your submission is something that you give. It's something that you share with a partner. And that is gained through building trust and respect for one another. If there isn't that trust, if there isn't that respect, red flag, you want to bounce. If the dom is physically or emotionally abusive to you, listen, within a kink scene, within a, a kink dynamic, you can create and co-create different dynamics that are fun, that are hot, that are exciting. But if it's taken outside of that, and if it's there's what I call scope creep outside of that scene or outside of that playtime together that you're not comfortable with, like again, red flag. If that person crosses boundaries and repeatedly pushes limits and ignores safe words, again, red flag. You want someone who has self-control and cares for your well-being. You want someone who respects your limits and respects your safe words. Super, super important. If the Dom avoids communication, right? Like that's a red flag. You want someone who communicates regularly, makes the effort to make sure that you're on the same page. Because guess what? You got a busy life. You're trying different things. You're doing different things. You're at work. You've got kids, whatever you got going on. And then it's like, oh, we need to be on the same page because I'm going to explore this thing that I'm new at and they have more experience and that person's not talking to me. 
No, that's weird. Red flag, jump. The role of a dom is someone who does work hard. It is someone who accepts responsibility. And it is a great responsibility when someone is giving or sharing their power with you. That is something to hold sacred. And it's very important to, to be with someone where you feel heard, where you feel safe, where you feel respected, where you feel seen. If you don't, leave. Some other red flags would be in talking about safe words. If they're like, you shouldn't have safe words or you're never going to use them with me, red flag. If they don't have safe words, they're like, well, I'm a dom. I don't need safe words. Come on, let's be adults here. We're all human beings. There are things that come up during play. There's things that come up during sex where we may get triggered or we may get upset about that. So it's always like a two-way street. If that person isn't respecting boundaries and an idea to start off with is Set some boundaries that are non-sexual and see how that person responds and reacts to them. Because if that person's not respecting that outside of the bedroom or outside of that play area, chances are they're going to be challenged to respect those inside the bedroom. So those are some things that, that I would put out there for you to think about. And with that, that brings this week's episode to an end. You know, it's such a joy for me to answer your questions when you reach out to me. And it actually means more than you probably know. Over the last year has been some challenges, some big transitions in my life and being able to connect with you, to be able to work with you, even if through anonymous questions, really brings a sense of direction and purpose to me. So I really appreciate all those questions. There's going to be some new things in the next month coming out, so stay tuned for that. There's going to be a new website, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, some publicity that's going to be happening. Really looking forward to that. And if you like an opportunity to get some personalized access to me. There's going to be some opportunity again coming in the future. So stay tuned to that. And remember, the more we understand about ourselves and each other, the less we have to fear, the more love is here. So here's to happy days and living a sex life unleashed.